this week we are starting a new sermon series, and it is on prayer that works. And uh, we want to get into this sermon series because we want to be a praying church. Because we can make all the plans in the world and have all the great ideas in the world, but if we don't talk to God about them, there's really not much point. And if we don't get God's input on them, there's really not that much point. So we're going to do a four-week sermon series on prayer and then have our foreman, but this is going to be uh, more of a practical series. So at the end of each sermon, you're actually going to be praying. So that's how we're going to do it. Now, it's Thanksgiving Sunday, and Rob is away today, and he decided that we should start off our Thanksgiving with the topic of prayers of suffering. So, there you go. Um, so, suffering in the Bible uh, is also known as tribulation, trials, trouble, sorrow. Those are all kind of synonyms for suffering. So, when you read that in the Bible, that's kind of what we're talking about this morning. Um, so why should we pay, pray in times of suffering? I want to start with a quote from a book I read. It's called The Classic Collection of Prayers, and I'm going to quote it a couple times. Um, and it was written by a man named E.M. Bounds, and it sums up why we should pray. Prayer in trouble drives us away from unbelief, saves us from doubt, and delivers from all vain and foolish questionings because of our painful experience. So I want to look at three different passages in the Bible today of people who prayed in times of suffering and then um, what the results were. So the first one we're going to look at is we're going to look at um, how we can pray to be released from our suffering. So Acts 12, 1 to 17. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now Herod was about to bring him out on that very night. On that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, 
In her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison, and he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. So our first slot question is, have you ever experienced a miraculous answer to prayer? Okay. So let me just summarize this for you guys. There, are, there was the 12 disciples, and then of those 12 disciples, there was three of them that were like Jesus' best friend, his inner circle. There's James and John, the thun, sons of thunder, that's kind of a cool nickname. And then there's Peter. And these are the guys, along with the others, these are the guys that are going to plant the church. And James has just been killed by the sword. And Peter is now in prison. And the whole Christian movement is now at stake in this one passage. And so the church is hiding somewhere and crying out to God for Peter's release. And God does a miracle. And Peter is led out by an angel into the streets, and then he goes to tell the church. This is kind of my favorite part. So he knocks at the door. Hello. And the, someone runs to the door, and Peter's like, let me in. And then she just leaves him standing there because she's like, Oh, my gosh. And she runs back, and she tells the other, Peter's at the door. And they're like, uh-uh, Peter's in jail. And she's like, no, I'm telling you, Peter's at the door. And he, they're like, no, 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 Peter's in jail. And these people are terrified. Like, they could open this door, and that could be the end of them. They could all be in jail. But finally, Peter's like, hello, let me in. And they finally let him in. And he tells them of this incredible miracle that was done. And then what he does is he says, go tell James, and if you've been in Ron's Bible study on Sunday morning, you know that James is Jesus' little brother who's now kind of in charge of the church in Jerusalem. So he's basically telling James and the brothers, the people who are still left, what God has done. Tell them about their miracle. And then Peter takes off because he knows they're going to come looking for him. All right, so what can we learn from this story? The first is, we must pray, but we also must get others to pray with us in times of suffering. We're not meant to do this alone. Even when things seem hopeless, when you're locked in jail with two guards holding you in chains, and another guard, and another guard, even when things seem hopeless, God can make a way. We do not need to rely on our own resources when we need a miracle. We should pray for a miracle. And then, do not be surprised when God answers your prayers. And make sure you tell other people about the miracle so that God gets the glory. I'm going to look at some of your uh, Slack answers. 
Um, my boss, who is supposed to be on vacation and is answering on Slack, says, this church is miraculous, is a miraculous answer to prayer. I'm so thankful for you and that God has brought us together. Um, and as someone else says, yes, they experienced a, mi a miracle at a tipping point in their life. Um, and someone else says, the purchase of their first home was a miraculous answer to prayer and still feels unbelievable. Um, and other people say many, many times they've, they've seen miracles happen. The second reason that we need to pray in our times of suffering is we need to have an encounter with God in our suffering. I'm going to look at 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. So to keep me, this is Paul talking, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with my weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Slot question two is, how do you know if you are having an encounter with God? So in this passage, uh, Paul tells us that he has this thorn in his flesh. We, we don't know what it is. The Bible never tells us. Some people think it might be an actual physical ailment. Some people think it might be um, like a mental health issue or a, a struggle that he's having. But he's ha whatever it is, it's... It's troubling to him. It's so troubling to him that three times he pleads with God to have it removed from him. And I'm like, Paul, like, wrote the Bible, a lot of the Bible. Paul traveled all over the world telling people about Christ. If anyone deserves to have their prayers answered, it's Paul, right? Like, come on. He should have some cred with God on this one. But what Paul has instead of his prayers answered is an encounter with God. And that encounter with God tells him, you don't need your prayers answered, you need me. That when you're weak, when you have to come to me, I'm, I'm strong. So it says, um, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When we are weak, then God can work in us. In our suffering, we must have a God encounter that shifts our paradigm. It is only then that we will, be a we will also be able to be content in our weakness, and then the power of Christ will rest on us. We need to understand the mind of God when it comes to our suffering. And God is first concerned with our reliance on him, and then is concerned with our suffering. I'm going to look at Slack again.
Someone says, my grace is sufficient for you. Please note, if you are not seeing miraculous answers to prayer, that is okay. Not all prayers result in miraculous outcomes. Sometimes the process of waiting for answers or working through challenges is an essential part of our spiritual growth. Besides, it builds perseverance, patience, and character. It's like a knowing. It's almost unexplainable, and I often feel as if I've tried um, if I've tried, people would think I'm crazy to explain this encounter with God. Um, and then someone says, um, things just move easily, almost like on autopilot. Another quote from the same book says, it does not matter the origin of our troubles. Ourselves, people, devils, or even God himself. We can take them all to God in prayer, pray over them, and seek to get the greatest spiritual benefits out of them. The third reason that we need to pray is we pray to clearly express to God our suffering. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine to 44. So this is uh, after they've had communion like we did here today. Jesus goes to the garden with his disciples, he says, and he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he, Jesus, came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. Jesus is in the garden. He's having the last conversation with his father before he's ready to go to the cross. And this isn't just a like, hey, God, if it's all right with you, could you please help me with this is cried out in agony imagine what a 33 year old man crying out in agony looks like this is powerful this is like a lay your soul bare kind of crying out and God's okay with that from us God's okay with hearing our pain and with us laying out to him all of our suffering. He wants it. He wants to hear it. But in the end, what's important is that even in our suffering, we follow the will of God. Sometimes we need to get alone with God and pour out our hearts. You need to find that solitary place and get there. It's okay to let God see where you are really at. You don't have to pretty it up. Jesus did it to the point of sweating droplets of blood. And this can look like anything. This can look like anger. This can look like sorrow. Or like I said, this can look like agony. It's okay to be real with God. In our suffering, God's will is always more important than our will. And we need to submit to that. After pouring out his agony to the Father, Jesus goes to the cross in obedience to the will of God. 
to me, one of the most heartbreaking verses of the Bible is Jesus on the cross in Matthew 27, 46, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's separated from the Father because he bears our sins. He is cut off from his heavenly Father. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because of that submission, he gets the victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He could have chosen not to submit. He could have been like, this is too much for me. But if he hadn't submitted, he would have still died but he would not have had the victory over death. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But because of Jesus' willingness to submit, he gained an eternal victory. Philippians 2.8-11 says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And because of his submission, and because of his willingness to go to the cross, I never, never have to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Romans 8, 34 to 39 promises that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Another quote says, there is great value in prayer in the time of trouble. Prayer often delivers out of trouble and even more so gives strength to bear trouble, ministers comfort in trouble, and produces patience in the midst of trouble. Wise are they in the day of trouble who know their true source of strength and do not fail to pray. A couple weeks ago, we had a time of prayer here at the front, and Val came forward and she gave a word. Um, and it said, this is the word she gave. She said, when we are in heaven, there is going to be no more suffering. There's going to be no more pain. We are going to be, be free from all of that. But today we are in our pain and we are in our struggles and we are in our suffering. So the worship that we offer here in our pain, in our struggles, and in our suffering is only the worship that we can offer here on earth. Because when we are in heaven, we are not going to be in the position where we are offering up worship during our pain, worship during our struggles, because we are not going to be living in that anymore. So there is something different about the worship we offer in this time while we are struggling, while we are suffering. And we surrender that to God, and we say, in spite of my pain, 
in spite of the burden I am carrying, you are God and you are worthy of praise. So I want to take some time right now. On the tables in front of you, there's some note cards, there's some pens. Um, and we're going to actually take time to pray. So there's a few things you can do. If you are in a time of struggling right now and you want people to come alongside you and pray for you, I'm going to invite you to come up here and you can sit in these chairs at the front here and uh, we will pray you with you. Maybe right now you've asked God to deliver you from something and he hasn't answered you and you need to have an encounter from God to find out, is this something I still need to be praying about or is this a chance where you will turn your weakness over and let God's power work in you. If that's true, just write that down on the cards. That's between you and God. Just write on the cards, Lord, am I giving this to you? Are you going to heal me? Whatever it is. And maybe you are in agony. Maybe you're carrying something, and it feels crushing. And you just need to write out your pain or your anger or whatever it is that's happening in you, your sadness on those cards. And again, that's between you and God. You can just do that here. And maybe right now you're just, you're in a good place. And you need to people be one of the people that comes around the people up here that need support. So we're not going to rush this Jessica's going to uh, play for a few minutes, and we're going to take time to get with God and be real with him and to support each other. So if you need prayer, I'm going to invite you to come up now. If you are willing to pray for people, I'm going to invite you to come up. And if you need to just spend time alone with God right now with your pen and your paper, then you go ahead and do that. And we're just going to take a few minutes. So uh, when I was given the topic of prayers of suffering, I was talking to the Lord about it. And a couple weeks ago, I had an incident where, uh, uh, so Jaden, my nephew, who lived with us for many years, have found himself in trouble and had to appear in court. And uh, he was refusing to go. And uh, so they called me in because if he didn't show up for court, they would, uh, there's a very good possibility they would issue a bench warrant for his arrest. And Jaden has autism and he also is developmentally delayed and basically functions like a seven, eight year old. And uh, that is no place, jail is no place for a person like him. So I went, I bribed him, said I'd show up and take him for lunch and out to buy something, but there was no way I could convince him to go, so I went to court and uh, pleaded with the judge to allow him to appear on Zoom, and she was kind and gracious. She said, yeah, so they held it over. So I was driving home from Oshawa, and I was crying out to God, why? Why? does this child have to have this happening? Why is it that you didn't make him normal 
Why is there suffering? Why do we still have to be going through this? And uh, I, sh I came back to work, and uh, poor Rob, I was like crying, and Rob's like, ah. and, um, but here's the thing. We live our lives in joy and sorrow. There's always going to be things in our life that are kind of under the surface and that make us sad. But God will bring us joy even in those sorrows. But some days are just days of sorrow. And that's okay. And as I was driving, I was like, God, I need you. I need you to help me through this. Because otherwise, I'll go home and I'll drink a bottle of wine or I'll do something else to dull this pain. And God did not take away my sorrow, but he was with me in it. And he will be with me in it until the day he takes me home. And on the other side of eternity, my child will be whole and I will be with him. And it will be beautiful. He is seeking to make us like himself. It is not so much work that he wants in us. It is not greatness. It is the presence in us of patience, meekness, and submission to the divine will. He wants praying saints who bring everything to him. He seeks to create his own image in us. God, I thank you that you are a God who cares about us, who can heal us, who can bring miraculous things into our lives, and we are thankful for that, Lord. We praise you for the miracles that you can do. But God, the greatest miracle is that you are with us, that you love us, and that you want a relationship with us, and you'll be with us in our sorrow and in our pain, and you will make us more like your son when we submit to your will. And so, God, for all that we are going through, for the suffering that we're experiencing, I pray that you would use that to make us more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Have a fantastic rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. And I look forward to seeing you all back here next week. Um, there is no youth tonight because it's Thanksgiving and it's time to eat turkey. But there will be youth next week and there will be candy. Have a great week.